Oh, there you are. How you doing? Welcome back to Deep and Meaningfuls with Fursy. Thanks for being here. This is episode number 12. Now, there are three things that I love in life and I'd like to share those three things with you. The minor pentatonic scale, pizza and a good deep chat. And my next guest is no stranger to all three. His name is Joel McDonald, and he is a Sydney-based guitar hero legend. My word, he knows his way around a fretboard. So if you don't know about Frankie's Pizza, it's a very cool rock and roll venue in, in the city in Sydney. And Joel with his band... The world fame, Frankie's world famous house band are there every Monday and he'll be slaving away over a hot fretboard. They play covers of all of the best rock and roll, heavy metal songs of all time and they crush them. Uh, the venue's awesome. There's rad pinball machines, beers, pizzas. It's super rock and roll. Uh, I, I love that place. If you've never been, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. When he's not doing that, he's he's been a pretty busy guy. He's played with uh, Rose Tattoo. He's played with Simon Wright, who was ACDC's drummer, Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses, a ton of other artists. He's, he's a monster on the guitar and uh, he may look tough, but he's actually a super nice dude. So this podcast is, it's all about music. It's about guitars, rock and roll. We get into the intricacies of of uh, playing guitar and, and, and making music and being in bands and all that kind of stuff. So it's a deep dive into that. I hope you dig it. I really enjoyed chatting with him. He's a great guy. So here is Joel McDonald. Oh, we're live. We're going. <laughs> yes, it's working. <laughs> we got there. Yep, yep. Well, this is usually how as formal as it gets when we start. Right. It's pretty fancy. Yeah, yeah. We just, you know, hit record and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the way to do it. Mm. Do you prepare any of this stuff or do you just sort of go in cold? But I have a couple of things that I want to talk about usually. Like mm. I write some stuff down. And then um, if I'm doing if I'm doing my job well, it just kind of gets there. Yeah, yeah. Or you just kind of... See how many awkward silences yeah, there Yeah, you fumble into the right, <laughs> the right spots. So do you like stuff too? <laughs> I remember when I first did a podcast, I was so nervous about that and and I was just – I just had so much stuff prepared and I was sitting there going, oh, it's going to be so awkward yeah. and it's going to be – the second one I did was with a good friend of mine and, and we just got a bit drunk. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> he, he had some tequila and we just – and it, it, we had the opposite effect. <laughs> well, cheers. We'll do it. Yeah, on, cheers, man. Mm. Cheers. Yeah. What are we drinking? Modus. Northern Beaches. Well, we're brew. seriously representing the Northern Beaches tonight. Yeah, you're you know. in – Bill, Bill Gola. Bill Gola. Yeah. But for your proper Northern Beaches. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've only been there for uh, four years now. I, man, we didn't plan on having to move that far north. Uh, we're in Camaray, which was so good for – like it was just so central to everything. Yeah. And then before that, you know, I'd sort of grown up in the mean streets of Mossman. You know? Okay. That was, that was pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And um, But, yeah, man, we, we ended up sort of um, just through kind of oh, just like affordability of – yeah, you right. know, you know, we had an apartment in Camaray and then, you know, had a couple of little ones we needed to upsize. So we flogged that. And the only place that we sort of could end up affording was um, this place in Bilgola, which, you know, in hindsight was just, I'm so happy about it. I love it there. Yeah. You know? 
um, I become like just a full blown, <clears throat> you know, beaches snob. Yeah, you know? I don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah, I know the feeling, man. Yeah, and then, and then when you said, "Oh, let's do this podcast," I'm like, "Oh, fuck, where does this guy live?" You know, the inner <laughs> west. It's like, no, man, I'm in Colorado. I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I know the feeling, though, dude. Like up here, it's 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 weird. I I, I know people who've don't they've never gone over the bridge, and by that they mean the Narrabeen Bridge, let alone oh, the right. Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah, they yeah. don't they don't leave the Northern Beaches. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, man, if you don't have to, like. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I get up in the morning and after a gig and I'll just be like totally fried or if I've got to sort of go to the gym or go to work or whatever. And then as soon as I you know, get in the car and then coming to Newport, like go down that like Cheryl Crescent, which comes down from Bill Gola. And yeah. I'll, I'll just look at just the sun, just, just, just like lighting up the ocean in front of me. I think, man, like I'm so lucky. Yeah. You know? It really is a blessing. Isn't it is. It? This part of the world it, it, is, it is beautiful. And it, and it never grows old to me you know like yeah. as you get older all those little things you appreciate so much more and i'm not that old but i'm sounding pretty old saying that but yeah man i'm i, I love it here you yeah know? and then I, and yeah. then with gigs and stuff you know they're always a bit sort of further away but i kind of like that i like the, the solitude of getting in the car and, and like having your moment going to the gig mm-hmm. and then and then the drive back home all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and well it's also it's good when you're if you're coming from the city and you've got a gig, it's usually at night and you're yeah. driving home at two in the morning. Yeah. Beautiful. Just cruise straight through. Oh, mate, just all the ghosts of the Wakehurst Parkway are just, you know, <laughs> helping me through yes, <laughs> all the dude, dead bodies. I fell asleep <laughs> in the car once on the Wakehurst Parkway. Oh, Only for a way. moment. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, you know, those ads back in the day for oh, micro-sleeps. Yeah. I had a micro-sleep and it shit. scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and it yeah. was – nothing happened. Like I was I was very, very fortunate yeah. but I just nodded off and I remember waking up and I was going at 60 k's an hour yeah. and I was looking going, what just happened? Where yeah. have I been? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, and it could happen on that on that stretch as well because there's like – there's no change. Mm. It, it's pretty dark there. There's no sort of stimuli, you know. You just yeah. sort of – it's just – No streetlights. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, sometimes few cars if it's late. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, my, like my wife is always saying to me and even like even like my mum, hey, you be careful driving home on the Wakehurst, you know. Yes. I'm like, yeah. like I, what are you I, talking I love about? it. <laughs> like, I, I really dig it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, it's kind of different though. Like it's like a country road but when you're driving on a country road, you're a little bit more mindful maybe. Yeah, and, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mate, you guys have been – you've been doing Frankie's for – how long now? Oh man, seven years coming up. Seven years. So wow. It, yeah. So it opened because I was trying to think. Three hundred shows. Three hundred Mondays. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our like sort of super dorky bass player who sat down and crunched some numbers one night and said, <laughs> "You know what, guys? It's the three hundredth show." <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Any reason to celebrate? Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't really kind of, you know, go go over and with a fine tooth comb, but it would it would have been around three hundred gigs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was t- end of two thousand and twelve when when it was opening and I, I remember you know my brother Jordan telling me about this place that they were going to open and he was putting in all these sort of late nights and early mornings and coming up with this idea of making this like kick-ass kind of like rock venue like an actual rock venue you yeah. know not not a little sort of a fad thing that comes for a bit and they put a post uh, like a poison poster on the wall and then mm. take it off and then that was it you know it was he was he was getting um like some of my guitar necks and they were going to use them, use them in the bar as the thing that, you know, pull the beers out of and all that sort of stuff. Wow. They put a lot of, like a lot of effort into it, you know. So, so was Jordan involved in like the, the making of the bar? Yeah. Was he an owner or something? Like what's well, his... at, at the time he wasn't. He was working sort of in that industry in the, specifically in the, the beer kind of game. Yes. And the guys that owned Frankie's or were opening it, they had already opened uh, the Baxter Inn and Shady Pines. Okay. 
which were like really well established and, and very successful in, in totally different ways. You know, they had their own niche, um, each venue did, and they wanted to open like a, a, a rock bar, you yeah. know, and they they knew Jordan and they sort of knew that he would have a pretty good nose for that for that sort of a thing. So they, they asked him to, to basically help with that whole setup. Um, yeah, the whole setup. Yeah. And, um, you know, fast forward, you know, seven plus years and, um, you know, he's now um, has a partnership in, in that venue and mm. which was probably, you know, uh, was a great sort of idea from the owners to get him in there because I, I guess they wanted to keep him. He He's just so good at that job. He's perfect. Yeah. He's perfect for it. He's great, yeah. with, great with the people and sort of yep. – just sort of knew what to do in terms of how to set it up, you know, what to what to put in there, and then of course with the music thing that was sort of tricky because that can always be really hit and miss. Yes. You know, like venues they they have music and it's kind of cool for a bit, and then all of a sudden it sort of drops off, and you got to get that right, and you got to be consistent with it. Yeah. And so I remember on the first time we did a we did a gig there, we did like a karaoke gig actually. It wasn't even the house band, um, and it just went off, you know, like. It was so good, and then you know, we sort of saw that that you know that the place has legs as a as a music venue. Mm. Like it sounded really good. It just had the right vibe. The stage was kind of like small but intimate and cool, and everything just kind of worked. And um, yeah, then not long after that, we just put this uh, this band together, which were you know which became you know the Frankie's world famous house band. And with every week, you know, a new singer and. We tried to do it in a way where it was sort of really exciting and, and it, it wouldn't be, you know, like a covers gig, even though technically it is. Mm. We'd sort of do it, we'd present it like it was a concert, you know, like like a show. Mm. So, you know, a lot of, lot of sort of, I mean, a lot of the stuff we knew anyway, but there was a lot of learning involved and you'd have to get up there and, you know, we, there's no iPads or any of that sort of stuff. It was just all by memory and we'd have to get up there and, <laughs> and try and remember, you know, like 20 new songs kind of, you know, every week and, and really kind of nail them, which is, which is the hard part. You yeah. Know? Um, but no, man, we, we, we've been really, really lucky that, you know, seven years on, we're still, we're still doing it, but it, you know, it, it didn't come easy. Like it's been a lot of work, you know, a lot of work, just, um, just trying to make it, make it exciting each week. And, yeah. and for, you know, everyone that comes to check it out for them to think, oh man, I want to come and see that again and mm. then tell their friends, all that sort of stuff, you know? So, but no, man, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. And that, and that's where that's where I get to practice guitar, you know? Yeah. I can't do it at home. I mean, you sit in your room and practice guitar. It kind of doesn't, you don't know what that means until you try that at a gig. Oh, dude, I couldn't agree more. There's something, there's so, there's only so much you can get from practicing out of a gig. You know, mm. you, you can, you can practice one thing, like if, whether it's a vocal line or a guitar line or something as many times as you want at home. Yeah. But the moment you get in front of one person, yeah. something changes. Oh man, straight away. Yeah. And it's like live practice. The only way you can do it is do it yeah, and, and mess it up in front of someone and have the nerves and have oh, that. Oh, totally. And, it, and it's just so, man, you're, you're like, you're probably playing more gigs than a lot of these guys that are on like heavy touring schedules. Yeah. You know? like, yeah, because there's no, there's no break from it, you know. Yeah. Um, Granted, it's not all week, but it's, it's consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is consistent. And, yeah. and you know, I still, like, I still get nervous, you know, like before yeah. every single gig. I seriously do. I think it's unhealthy if you don't. You know, there's yeah. got to be a bit of that. We got because if because then you don't care if you're yeah, not nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that's obviously true. there's obviously nothing to it. But like if yeah, I think that's really healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it means you sort of. I suppose it means you care about it. You care about what you're about to do. Yes. But also, I mean, I get nervous because man, so many things can go wrong at gigs, and <laughs> and they they fucking always do. Yeah. Like like even even last week, you know, 
happened to me. At, oh, I'll go through these sort of, I'll have a good run where you know nothing will go wrong with gear. And for me, like it all sort of boils down to your gear working. Yeah. You know, that is like the, if, if that's all good, then the rest kind of, there's a, a positive flow on. Yeah. But when yeah. something goes wrong, and sure enough, you know, last week I was doing the gig and the first set went fine. And then we started the second set and then, you know, my guitar cuts out. And, you know, when that happens and you, and you look. I feel stressed out yeah, just oh, hearing yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and when it cuts out, like in the middle of a song, you know, and, and then, you know, you look down and I think, fuck, what is it? You don't know what it is. There's yeah. too many, you've got these pedals and these stupid patch leads and case. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know. You, you can't. Like, there's like 17 different things yeah, that are connected to things. There's, that there's so could many be different wrong. variables, yeah. So that's really tricky. So I, I, I think I just sort of like flicked, I, I grabbed the jack and kind of, you know, mucked around with it. And then the sound came back. And then from, from then, you know, I thought, okay, it's the jack going to the cable. So I, I stood there like, like a fucking Frankenstein for the rest of the gig because I didn't want to move because yeah. I didn't want to then like pull it out or, or, or mess it up. Yeah. So, you know, and those little things like to me, it, like it sounds petty, but that just kind of like fucked the whole gig for me, you know? Absolutely. You're yeah. in your head now. Yeah. You're completely in your yeah. head. I, I remember, have you ever heard of the German, I think, no, they're, they're, they're Swedish, a band called Moustache? No. They're, um, they're quite funny. They're yeah. great. They're like, they're like hard rock classic metal kind of thing. Yeah. And they're massive in, in the UK and in Europe and mm. Scandinavia. And I saw them when I was living in LA. They came and played this show in LA and it was – I was pumped to see them because, you yeah. know, I see them on on, on on the videos of Hellfest in yeah. front of thousands of people yeah. and they're massive. And, yeah. and and so they were playing this shithole little bar in LA somewhere. <laughs> and me and a friend of mine went along and we were like – there was this little support band and there were probably – when Moustache started playing there were probably – 25 people there and it was so that was fascinating but anyway the so they've got like guitar techs and all mm. wireless and everything yeah. their stadium set up for a little pub gig yeah and here's the singer's guitar cuts out yep. at some point yeah and and it, you know he's got his guitar tech running around like crazy oh, yeah. he didn't give a fuck yeah. and i and and he was you could just tell that he's done that so many times yeah, yeah. he genuinely was like i managed to have a chat with him after the gig and he was saying i said oh that really sucked and he goes i don't care because it's not, it's not my job. He was, so he's got someone who's allocated to that. He's at that point yeah. where it's like he doesn't have to think about any of his yeah, gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I know that feeling as well when, when you're part of shows where there are there's a crew that look after the technicalities, you know. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, when you've got a, a guitar tech. I mean, you know, that, that's happened to me as well. And, 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 and it's right because it's someone else's job. And, man, you know, when you roll up to a gig and there's someone there that's looking after your gear for you, it's beautiful. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And then, you know, you finish the gig and my sort of – I automatically go to start packing up gear. Yeah. It's just the yeah. – you know, i got to get, roll up leads or pick up a head and, and if someone else is doing it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, it's just – what, yeah. am I in some sort of fantasy land? Yes. But, yeah, you know, with, with gear and stuff, you know – I've seen that too happen to massive, massive bands. Like yeah. last time Kiss were here, you know, they opened with Detroit Rock City and when they go into that little guitar, that little um, harmonised breakdown thing, it's just the guitar and yeah. the fucking guitar cuts out. Oh, God. You know? So if, if it can happen to them, I think, all right, so it happens to everyone. Absolutely. You know, and I saw it, the same thing happen to Steve Vai at, um, at the Enmore about 10 years or so ago and they, these are guys that have – Man, like, there's no expense spared, you yeah. know. Yeah, they they are so prepped; it's not funny, yeah. you know. And it happens to everyone. Yeah. So again, it's just one of those things where, 
when it happens to me now, like it sucks, but I think, oh, it, man, it's character building. You it, know? Is, it is. It, like, it doesn't yeah. get to me as much as it used to. I would have had a heart attack if that stuff happened to me, you know, when I was sort of first starting to play live. Yeah. It would just almost be too much, but oh, fuck, I can't handle Well, because there's so much on your mind and, yeah. you're, and you're so worried about your performance and mm. then that's gone. Like yeah. you can't play. So, yeah, yeah. so it's just everything's turned to shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something too with those, with those really big bands and I wonder if they, if they get – I think there's a sweet spot where you, you, know, you play a lot and you tour a lot and you're, you just know your gear backwards yeah. and then you get beyond that and you have someone take care of all of it for you. And yeah. then if something goes wrong, it's almost like you're too comfortable and yeah, I mean, yeah. what do you do? You yeah, kind of hope yeah. your guy can fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember seeing – I think it was it was a Megadeth live performance, and I'm sure a lot of these bands are doing it these days. But they don't have any pedals or anything mm. on stage. They don't do any changing of their sound. So yeah. there must be a guy on there pushing the buttons to change the guitar effects on yeah. the side of the stage, right? Like they yeah, go from right. clean to a lead tone to a rhythm tone. Yeah, and there's no there's no pedals. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, man, I actually kind of <clears throat> don't know that much about technical stuff that look I'm pretty old school and everyone's getting into you know like um fractals yeah Yeah. I don't I mean I just I don't know something about it just kind of doesn't appeal to me at all I I I just like the idea of there being like an amp with tubes in it and and a speaker that pushes out air Mm. towards me Mm. well there's a feeling that there's there's a there's a literal feel well I think the best way to describe what you're talking about to someone who doesn't play guitar it's like listening to music on in your car or yeah. on your radio yeah. compared to listening to that exact same song at a concert. Yeah. You know, the, the sheer volume, the weight of the volume and, and the, the air that is moving out of the speakers yeah, yeah. and that, it, you feel it. It's yeah. different. There's a reason. Like you've heard this song a thousand times but you go and see it live. Yeah. One, because, you know, it's great to see them perform but the way it feels yeah. vibrationally is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the response you get from your guitar is different when you have that kind of analog. Yeah, yeah. I reckon though, I mean, look, people are getting into it and there's got to be a, there's got to be a, a reason. It must, I don't know, maybe it's just, it's cutting out a lot of the risk of things that can go wrong. I think it's that. I think it's also the ability to just so many more options. Yeah. Like and, it's so, instance, and it's so convenient. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. And they don't have to do this thing where they got to lug shit around. No. <laughs> like yeah. that, that. That's does, pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to have a little, a little pedal, a little, you know, it's in a in a little foam bag and yeah, a guitar, yeah, yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. You know? So, I, man, I'd love to sort of, I'd love to actually see what it's about. I just, I just haven't. So, I really sort of can't comment on it because I'm, yeah. I'm coming from, it's pretty one sided. I just, I don't have the education. Yeah, yeah I'll have to check it out because I know not a lot of players that are doing that now. Mm. But then again, you know, I also sort of think, you know, to take the risk away, you know, look at guys like um. Or bands like ACDC and that, you know, where they just plug direct into an amp. Yeah. And his lead tone is is purely turning his volume yeah. from 8 to 10. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if I, that would be something that I would like to kind of work towards. I mean, that's so exposing. You know, yeah. you got – that's really kind of tricky to play that way. All right, if you're – a for, for rhythm, it's all right. But if you've got to do leads and stuff like that, it's, it's you know, it, it's it's hard to play solos when, you know, without some sort of a – a like boost a, or yeah, something. Yeah, well, like an like an overdrive where you get a bit more sort of like sustain, and it's it's. I think that was what so, was so beautiful about Angus. You know, that's what got me into into rock music was yeah. ACDC and listening yeah, yeah. to Malcolm and Angus, and and the fact that he his tone is so clean. Yeah, it's compared, so clean. Yeah, and his and his accuracy of his lead playing. Yeah. it's like 
you could take off all the gain completely, which yep. there isn't much, and you'd no. still hear everything he's doing. Yeah, so which I think is why why it was such. I guess it was also why his his playing was as melodic as it was. You yeah. know, it's like they're almost singable solos because yeah. there's only so much you can do. That's right. You got to be. <clears throat> you got to really kind of choose. W- w- yeah, w- when it's that sort of hard, and you've really got to wrestle with the, the yeah. notes. You know, it's 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 really hard to do, and, you, and you've got to you got to choose your your phrasing and your your melody and stuff, and you, you can't really sort of play as fast because it's harder to do. You've got to so you end up coming with spot on. Yeah, well, you come out with something a little bit kind of more musical, I think. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's just. I mean, whether whether that came from his gear or whether he liked that and so he chose that gear, who knows? But yeah. but it's 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 real hard when you actually dial in like a genuine Malcolm Young or Angus Young tone. Yeah. You go, well, it's actually you really got to smash your guitar. Yeah. You really belt it. Yeah. Oh man, it's all in the hands. That, yeah. That's that's right. You got to hit it so hard with the right hand. And yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, what? So yeah, it was definitely ACDC that got me into rock music. I remember yeah. I was, I have an older sister, and um, so of course, I, I liked the music she listened to because you know when you're twelve. Yeah, yeah. So she was listening to that. No, oh, okay, right, <laughs> she yeah. was listening to uh, the Backstreet Boys. Cool. She was listening to Human Nature, oh, Spice yeah. Girls. So that's what it's about. I, uh, <laughs> I, I unashamedly know every song on those first two Spice Girls albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the heaviest that she got into was was Brian Adams. Oh man, um, but there's I, some pretty good Brian Adams. Mate, I love Brian Adams. Yeah, me too, man. I love man. I you yeah. know, I listen to, I listen to that. Almost every day. Like, really? I go to the yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I go to the gym and I'll put on like one night love affair. That's like you know the the opening track from Reckless. From Reckless, and that's what wow, I you like the deep cuts mate, too. Oh, that's but that's the one that I sort of start I start with, and man, yeah. it, it's so weird because like my son loves that. And, you know, he's seven, and he he got into Brian Adams when he was about sort of five, and it's really interesting to see what little kids get into. They they get in the certain little stuff that must just be so hooky that they yeah. get it like he got into he got into kiss as well and yeah. he got into europe stuff that i i i was never a huge fan of but i was kind of curious like why is he like this so much yeah. you know and then he really got into brian adams like to the point where it's great songs man oh, really good songwriting man, right? man this and, and even his his voice you know like yeah his voice and and you don't realize how his range he's still a monster dude Oh, I, I was I was learning an acoustic um, version of "Can't Stop This Thing We Started." Oh, I love and, that. Yeah, song. it's a great I song. I love isn't that it? song. Yeah. No one does a shuffle like Brian oh, Adams. You know? yeah. And I was trying to find an arrangement for it, and I was thinking because I love the song so much, I was mm. thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. And I found this video of him. It's someone's filming it on their phone in a stadium, yeah. and it's just him and his guitar acoustic, oh, yeah. and he's just belting it. And man, it's a, he, it's in a lower key, but he still wails. Dude. Yeah, he's yeah. crushing that song, and I don't know yeah. how old he is now, but it sounds so good. Yeah. Such a consistent singer, you know. Oh man, he he's so good. And he's guitar player as well. Yeah. He's that yeah. that guitar player, Keith Scott, you know. He's one of these guys where all throughout the songs there's these little guitar lines. That's a and, and every line is memorable. Yes. And they're so tasteful. Yes. And it's really it's all right to go do a guitar solo, but he will sort of pepper these songs with with, with lines, these melodies throughout. You know, Brian will sing a bit, then he'll 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 play a line, and they're all memorable, and they're just they're just so good. Yep, they 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 are seriously like a, a class act. The two of them yep. together. Yep. Do you remember that? I can't remember the name of the album now, but I think it was the one with the the, the like orangey red cover, and the, was it was a star on it or something. 
Anyway, oh, was, eight, not eighteen till yes, I die. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. one that really that was one that my sister was into. Oh right, okay. So that kind actually now you've just I just realised it was Brian Adams that got me into rock music. <laughs> He was he was my gateway drug to yeah, ACDC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was that song, um, <laughs> I wanna be your lipstick. Oh yeah. When you yeah. whatever that one <laughs> I remember that song so much. Such cheesy lyrics, but it was it was all Mutt Lang who produced yeah. that stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, oh the, the really kind of like the big, big stuff. Um that Waking Up the Neighbors album. Yeah. The one that has, of course, you know, can't stop listening, we started. Yep. Um yeah, oh, man, I love that stuff. And do you know, do you know that song at the end? Don't drop that bomb on me. Have you heard that one? It's got this really like massive sort of outro guitar oh, solo. To, that, that's a real kind of a deep cut. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to check out that album. Yeah, I'll yeah, do it yeah. when I'm at the gym now. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, trying yeah, channel yeah. channel you yeah, when I'm yeah. doing biceps. Uh, I'll get into I'll get into Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have something to strive for, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what what I was going to ask was what do you? Oh, that's right. I was going to tell the story about when I was I was 14. I was on a holiday, a family holiday. And so, yeah, so the heaviest thing I'd, listened, I'd heard was Brian Adams and the Beatles from yeah, my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some, some guys that were older than me <clears throat> gave me my first Jack and Coke, oh, yeah. which I'd never had, <laughs> and, um, and put on Back in Black, the oh, album. Yeah, and yeah. I remember sitting there in there, like we were, we were at a hotel and I'd been hanging out with these dudes because, you know, it was like, you know, just trying to make some friends. Yeah, yeah. And I think they were probably two, three years older than me. And we were sitting there in this hotel drinking alcohol, listening to ACDC. Yeah. And I remember having this thought like, am I in trouble here? Like, yeah. Is this bad? Because this music was so heavy to me. It was oh. the heaviest thing I'd ever heard. Oh, okay. And I'd got no brothers. So I never had that kind of rough and tumble yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember thinking, is this bad? And then I remember listening to Back in Black, the song, and I was like, this is amazing. I was yeah. like, I'm terrified of this, but yeah. something about it is yeah, so yeah. good. It is, yeah. And it just changed my life yeah, from yeah. then on. And, yeah. then, and then it was, you know. Forget yeah, that. yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. With, with ACDC, you know, like most people just know the, you know, the stuff that you hear on Triple M and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I was kind of the same. I mean, I had the Back in Black album, of course, as well. But all, there's there's so much more there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I got I I got together with um, uh, I ended up being hired to do these gigs with Simon Wright, who was the guy who played drums for ACDC after Phil Rudd. Cool, man. So I, so I did those last year and I'm doing one – I'm doing a few a, a, again at the end of this year and that's when I had to learn all of this other ACDC stuff. Right. And, man, there's just – it's it's so good. Yeah. You know, it sounds like a cliche, like, oh, ACDC is so good. Yeah. You, you, yeah. But, but it well, actually is. It is, man. It's, it's, yeah. It, it, it's so good. And I'll never forget, you know – we the first time I met him, I had to meet him in a rehearsal room uh, to to basically rehearse for the gig, which was the following day. So we all arrived in Melbourne and went to this little kind of dodgy uh, rehearsal room, and um, you know we just sort of set up. I, I, I'd met him before, sorry, I, I'd met him in LA um, like socially, and then by complete coincidence, we ended up um, being booked on this this run of shows together, and you know we just got in there and plugged in you know we all sort of you know spoke for a little bit cracked a few jokes and then like you know he's got the drumsticks and then like three and then we we sort of launched in and and man i the the power of playing those songs with a guy who who actually played them who was driving the bus in terms of you know like he was the drummer yeah you know and he had to uh you know he had to deliver that to tens of thousands of people you know night after night and he still got that when he plays and Man, that that was um that was such an. Is awesome he an Aussie bloke? 
No, he's he's English. Oh right, but he lives in California. Okay, and then he, I mean, he's what a cool gig, man. Yeah. Oh well, he's That's great. Oh well, man, he 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 also played for Dio and um, UFO. Yes. Oh, he did too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, for you though, like to play with him, that's a fucking rad gig. Oh, it was so good. To and, your and, Angus, yeah. Are there two, two guitarists? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Do you yeah. trade off solos, or you just no, your no? I, I, I was doing, I was playing the role. I was doing Angus. Did you wear material. the outfit? Oh, mate, I didn't. Know. <laughs> it wouldn't have looked right. But I, I mean, I was. We did another gig um, where it was half, half Dio and half Judas Priest. So because wow. he was, he, he was playing. Uh, you know, he he was the drummer for Dio, and then we had the singer um, Ripper Owens who. He sung for for Judas Priest after he Rob did. Halford. Yeah. Like so, that was the. I'm mean, sure you know this, but like the the movie Rockstar. That's we were right. Talking about the other day. Yeah, yeah that was based, based on that. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's wow. right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I did all these shows with with those guys last year, and then when they all rapped, um, we just, just I said, oh, would you guys you know be interested in doing a gig at at Frankie's? We'll just we'll just roll up one Saturday night and and, and do this gig. We'll 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 just wait like for the week. We'll give it a week. We'll we'll announce it like you know, with only a week's kind of run up. And um, we'll do half, you know, what you do, Simon, which is all of Dio's stuff. Mm. And we'll do half of Judas Priest, which is, you know, the stuff that Ripper was doing. And we did that. And, man, I reckon it was like one of the best gigs I've ever done. It was just, really? yeah, well, because, again, it was in that, you know, that that confined kind of environment, yeah. you know. And the people that turned up were just, they were so diehard. Yes. And when you see those guys who it's weird you know you see these guys that have done these massive ma- massive gigs that they've they have had the best gigs and then when they they then come down to my level <laughs> you know to play in these clubs and they, they do the same thing right you know like they they there's no they don't dial it down mm. they just go they treat it the same as you know as if they're playing to you know 40,000 people or whatever and they're just it's so cool to see that yeah. standing right next to it, like fuck. Okay, uh, this is how they do it. You know, like there's, yeah, that it. It's just like it's a hundred. It's a hundred percent. You know, every, every time. Every time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's there's something special about that. I think that you you kind of must bring that. Yeah. I remember seeing you mean you know the band Airborne, yeah, those Aussie yeah. blokes. Oh I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw and they're huge now. Like yeah, I saw them at Manly Fishers. Years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Manly Fishers was a pretty, pretty yep. grotty little venue. Yeah. And I went with a friend and we – there weren't that many people there and it was kind of like – there was just no vibe in the room. Yeah. And and they started and they just – it was they just went fucking ape shit. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. They just That's went, what they do, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and they were – you know, it's – you always hear um, artists and musicians talking about how – it's, you know, you want you, – you feed off the audience. Yeah. And that's all good and well if the audience is pumped. Yeah. But if the audience isn't pumped, what oh, are you yeah. going to do about it? Yep. But those guys were able to – they brought the audience up to their that's level. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which is which is amazing, which is a real skill. You yep. know, you can – sometimes, you know, we've all done gigs where you're doing everything you can and you just can't get them pumped. That's right. But, yeah. but those guys, man, on that night, it was just like – Everyone was like, "Fuck it, let's go, yeah, let's, yeah. let's join them." These guys are crazy. Let's yeah. Go. And I've, I, I remember the first time I saw them as well at the Annandale. Yes, and I think that was like two thousand and six or something. So it was before they'd kind of was well before they'd sort of blown up. Yeah, and um, yeah, man, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, they're just going, mate. They just were. Mental. They were. They were just. They were just. Totally yeah. just going burko. You yeah. know, from start to finish, they never stopped. Yes. 
and I don't know how their livers haven't exploded. Oh, those and, boys, and, but and, oh, mate, and and their necks. Yes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they go hard. Those dudes, they do. man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, they're pretty bogan, but you know, yeah. you got to love them. They, they, really, <laughs> they, they might. People ask someone. I remember someone asked me, "What's airborne like?" And I was like, "It's like ACDC on a lot of cocaine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's basically it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, you know, good on them, man. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that stuff, you know. And obviously, it's people dig it. So. Oh, yeah. All, all that, they love them overseas. They do. Europe yeah. and Germany. They're doing and these massive – yeah. yeah they headlining yeah. these these massive festivals yeah. and stuff. And, and and what's his name is the, the – I can't remember his, the, the lead guy's name, but he's climbing up the scaffolding yeah. all the way yeah, up the yeah. top. Oh, Joel O'Keefe. Yeah. Joel, that's right. Yeah. 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 A, Crazy, man. What a loose bastard. What a great name, too. <laughs> Speaking of Joel, <laughs> your brother's calling you Mole. Yeah. Well, he's always is, called is me Mole. Is that something from a very young thing? Well, yeah. I mean, he, he calls me Mole and I call him Gordon, you know. So, <laughs> Joel and Jordan. Excellent. Yeah. Mole and Gordon. Great. <laughs> Great. I, for a very long time, before I actually met you boys, was sure that you were twins. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like four years between you, isn't there? No, nah, there's two years. Oh, two everyone years. everyone thought that. I mean, especially, right. especially when we um, when we kind of both both had long hair, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of shaved his off recently, and then I sort of like grow, I grew this kind of like debonair, <laughs> kind of like five o'clock shadow thing. And yes. That was our point of difference. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because I remember when you when you guys were doing Torch Le Monde, I remember. Yeah. Thinking, oh, yeah. They, oh, the twins are playing. The yeah, twins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, twins. yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, that's um. I'm glad it's not just me. You know? No. No. Definitely not. Oh, yeah. they, they were good days, man. And I, I think that must have been um. Back in like uh, the Candy's apartment sort of day. When, when Because I think that's maybe where I met you. <sighs> yeah, that was. And that would have been, you know, 2000 and sort of six, seven. Mate, I think it might have been earlier than that. Oh, no, it was. Uh, yeah, 06, maybe, 07. Maybe, maybe, yes. Yeah. yeah. 2006, 2007. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Here yep. we are, mate. Full circle. <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, well, actually, since we're talking about big shows, I and I've talked about this before. We, I was in a band in New Zealand called Shotgun Alley, and yeah. we did some, um, we did some really cool gigs over there. We were lucky. I, they'd already started, and they had written an album's worth, and things didn't work out with their singer, and yeah. uh, and then I, so I, I got the singer gig. I knew them when before they had a singer, and I was like, I love this music, but I was living in the states at the time. Yeah. So anyway, it worked out that um, I got the I got the gig as a singer, and it was fucking awesome. You know, yeah. it was it was just it was just cock rock basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we managed to get. Some really cool support slots. We played with Def Leppard at Fuck. at um, at Acer Arena or whatever the big one is in, <laughs> and, and we played yeah. with um, we know because you know New Zealand's not that big. So oh, if, okay, if you're yeah, yeah. if you're there's only three bands that were up for yeah, oh, <laughs> up yeah, for okay, yeah, but yeah. we got we got the support, yeah, you know, and we also yeah, that's awesome. It was rad, yeah. yeah. And then we also got the biggest one was um, we supported ZZ Top. Oh yeah, and it was at the Hamilton. Um, with the races. Yeah. And so all these these pissed bogans had been at the races all day. Yeah. And they were, you know, full of grog. Yeah. ZZ Top was playing. They all walked from the races to where the stage was and we were opening. Yeah. It was us, then ZZ Top. So there's no – and so they – so that we came out and there were 15,000 people out in front of us and this was yeah. my second gig with the mm. band. Needless to say – I don't know what happened. Like yeah, I yeah. came out and I and I we me and a couple of the other boys in the band coined the phrase stadium mode. Yeah. I woke up 
in the middle of the gig, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we'd done probably four songs and then pff, I kind of – my consciousness came back into my body yeah. and I realised what I was doing. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what I did for those first four songs. Yeah. But I watched footage and there are noises that I made with my voice, like screaming that I've never made before in my life. Yeah, okay. So I wanted to ask you about doing big shows and, and stadium mode where you get – so pumped, yeah, yeah. And your adrenaline—you're just—you're kind of like you're offline, and yeah. you're just your ego is just taking control. Well, the f- well, the first time I did a really big gig was uh, we opened for for Guns N' Roses when they did the Not in This Lifetime tour. The um, they played in Sydney uh, at, at at the time. I, I did a few gigs with with Rose Tattoo. I was doing um, a lot of sort of a lot of gigs with Angry, and his mm. and Rose Tattoo wasn't really a band at the time but he was offered a few gigs and he said you know do you want to do these with me and I said well of course you know yeah so anyway the first gig that we did I was never a member but I just did a a few sort of um a few gigs you know under that moniker and the first gig (laughs) was opening for Guns N' Roses you know and there was and that so that so that was 80,000 people Jesus Christ but I but I didn't I you know what I I hadn't even thought I, I didn't think anything of it and then Funny you mentioned that this, the guitar tech, he, he came up to me before and he goes, um, now, have you ever played in front of this many people before? And I said, well, no, I haven't. <laughs> and he goes, well, look, I just want to let you know that, um, you know, I, I've seen it really get to certain people and some people just can't handle it. And I thought, mate, what, oh, what, fucking what hell. the fuck did you say that to me? Like, you know, why would you even bring that up? Wow. Anyway, um, anyway, that's sort of Wow, a what a mind yeah, fuck yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, it definitely didn't need to be said no. but but I sort of went up there and that you're right like the the first one it was kind of a little a little bit of a blur you you kind of like you're physically there but you're mentally kind of like not something yes. else is happening so we did a few of those and then after a few then you strangely you you get really sort of comfortable with it you think, oh yeah actually no this is what I'm meant to do and yes. by the time we went and did this this gig in uh, in Germany we did uh the bang your head festival I was really comfortable then it was that was only one gig that, that we did there but I remember just thinking yep yeah, I love this mm. you know yeah. I, I, I loved that when people were, were right into it and I was I, I was strangely not nervous at all you know yeah yeah, yeah. so that's kind of that's probably, I guess, your my answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, well. You're very good on the guitar. Oh, thanks, mate. Yes, Thank you. you're very good on the electricity <laughs> guitar, mate. The electricity I wanted guitar. To, <laughs> um, I was wondering about how you got there. Like like for me, for instance, I'm – no, tell me this. This is an intriguing – I'm intrigued to know the answer to this question. Yeah. Are you good at maths? Or English, no, like, do uh, you, oh, in- English, I, really? English. I'm good at English. I'm not so good at maths. I'm like, uh, you know, I can, I can, you know, go and buy something and, at the shop and know how much change I'm getting. Right, get right, back. right. But you know, I I'm not too good with Pythagoras theorem right. and that sort of stuff. No. <laughs> Unless you're an architect, there's no fucking need to be anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess the reason that I ask is when I wanted to become a lead guitar player, which yeah. I still haven't achieved. Well, because I've mainly because I've stopped trying. Yeah. Is I. It, there was always an element of of maths involved yeah. in the learning of the scales yeah, yeah, that yeah. I'm just really bad at. I can you, spell any word in the world, but it's when it comes to yeah, that, yeah, you know that that I used to think that too. And I remember I had a, a a teacher, you know, this is going back ages. Though we're talking like twenty years, and I asked him that. I thought there's a mathematical element, especially to scales. Yeah, you know, you need to know like stuff, and you're looking at this fretboard and. 
where does my finger go and you know how does that you know where's where's the fifth and yeah you know, and all, all, that, that. all that sort of stuff and over time i just sort of realized it's actually not as important as you think yeah there's right. a lot of and there's a lot of players out there the, the ones that are really really insanely like educated and good and know so much about theory you can you can tell there's those sort of players that that don't actually really they don't actually really move me that that much and and then there's other players yeah. who you can tell are totally self-taught yes guys like um you know Eddie Van Halen obviously or and Angus D- probably or uh, and Dimebag Daryl yes you know? yes it, it, you can t- he just picks it up and you can and guys like George Lynch from Dokken I don't yeah. I don't know if you know him yeah yeah um they're the guys that I I get into you can just tell that this it's it's so kind of like mood dependent you never yes. know what's going to come out of them and a lot of the time it's just it, it it musically doesn't really make sense, but they do it with kind of so much confidence. Yeah, it's a feeling thing. It is. Well, I think that that's a beautiful thing about that. Is you, I think there's probably a sweet spot where when you, when you know every option of what you could do, yeah. Rather than, like, I wonder then maybe if it it, it can become stale. It because is. I it agree does. with what you're saying. I think there are some guys who are so technically savvy. Like like for instance, there's a reason why there are so many session guys who you watch them play someone else's stuff mm. and it's incredible. Yeah. But like where are the songs that they've written? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're not inspired in that yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that there's that that element of mystery perhaps yeah, yeah. That, that needs to come from, ooh, what happens when I put my hand in this shape Definitely, play yeah, this yeah. one? No, that, ooh, that, that's that, a weird that, sound. That's exactly right. Like yeah. it, it's oh, – I'd almost have to be sort of holding – a guitar to to show this to you but like little things like not actually following the scale you, you you can come up with some sort of pattern on one string and do the exact same pattern like you're doing the same pattern down those strings you're not actually following a, a scale like yes. Dimebag would do that a lot yes. and it would it would have this kind of weird out this outside of the box kind of sound yes it would take your ears out for a bit and that's what that's what's interesting. I agree. You know what I mean? I think Dave Grohl's a similar guy. Like, yeah. um, I remember, and I only really figured that out when I was learning to play some of his songs. Yeah. Like, there's that song, Let It Die. I don't know if you know that one. It's this beautiful picking thing. But, but I'm thinking, this is so, it's quite hard to play, but it's, it's the same frame that he's just moving around the neck. Yeah. Yeah. And it, clearly, it's, it's a guy who's just like, what happens if I do that? Yeah. It's, that's, that's exactly right. It's, it's like even the intro to, um, Smells like Teen Spirit. Right? People think <laughs> yes. People th- that that's that's Kurt's that that third finger is just it's barring. It's uh, not actually playing that proper that proper uh, F major chord. No, he, he's hot, and he so he just decides. All right, that's the that's the position. That's the the fingering that I want, and that's what I'm going to commit to at different spots. He's he's not actually changing the chord. He's not actually doing different sort of um. Oh man, it's it, it's a tricky thing to explain. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you mean though, because he's yeah he he's more exploring rather yeah. than yeah. than using music by numbers. He's yeah. going, he's going. I think what what has happened is that he's he's gone. I wonder what happens if I do that, yep. and then he's done it. He's gone. Oh, that's pleasantly surprising. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why we like it that's because right. we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I would never. That's not what I was expecting. Yeah, if you if if you were someone who knew theory and sort of knew about guitar chords and yeah you, know, you would never come up with that no it would probably drive you mad yeah well, well, to... well you would come up with something that was just really kind of it, it just wouldn't sound cool it would yeah. sound it would sound correct yes yes you know? which is kind of dull sometimes yeah 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 totally yeah 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 that's um i always always prefer uh, musicians who you know where there's a sort of limit to what they know technically i, I prefer 
I prefer self-taught musicians, to be honest. Yes. Just listening to what they come up with because they're, they're going to come up with something that, that is not by the book, mm. you know? Yeah, it's it's like when um, – you ever written a song or written an idea or something where you are just hearing it in your mind and you're not planning anything. You just hear the riff or you hear the melody or whatever it is and, and then you just kind of – it just kind of comes out of you really quickly and it's almost as if like you don't have a whole lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and other totally, times yeah. you'll labour away over mm. something for weeks and weeks yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to get the right the yeah. right mix of it and you're just like, oh, I just yeah. can't finish this, this. I can't find the chorus or whatever it is. But yeah. other times it's just like you're channelling yeah, the yeah. music and it's yeah. just straight through you. It's the same with like with, with practising stuff. Like I, I never – when I was sort of younger, I, I would say, all right, now I've got to – I've got to pick up the guitar and put some time into it. You know, I've got to, it's, you know, I've got to put in an hour. I've got to put in two hours or whatever yeah. because I haven't done that today. I never do that now, right. and I, and I never say I never say I'm going to work on this. I'm I'm going to try and I'm going to try and sort of you know nail this lick or, and put the metronome on and start it slow and then build it up so I'm playing faster and faster. I I just don't operate that way anymore. I I, I won't even pick up the guitar unless I feel tr- like this true urge to pick it up. Yes. You know, yes. So a lot of the time, I like a week will go by and I I won't pick up a guitar mm. at all. Mm. And then I'll come home one night and something will happen. I'll just be like, oh fuck, I've just got to go into the room. I've just got to yeah. I've, I've got, got to hear this thing on the oh, guitar. I've, I've got to play something now. Yeah. And and you know, I I get inspired playing along to you know like if I hear something new or, or you know riffing over some song some sort of new song that I didn't know existed and and trying out lead stuff over that and trying to come and and just totally going from the heart not 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 trying to you know nail a a specific technical lick you know yep so how much of that boring metronome you know speed stuff did you do as a young I, 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 I did do uh, quite a bit of it for for a while, probably for a few years. Only because yeah. I, I, only because at that time that that whole world kind of interested me. Funnily enough, yes. you know, yes. like te- technical guitar. I got into that stuff. You know, I was right into Eric Johnson. You know, massively, and of course, you know, guys like Steve Vai and that. I'm not so much into that now. Mm. You know, yeah. but but at, at the time I was because I was just curious to see. Can, can I do this? Yeah, right. Get, get, I wonder. Right. How, I wonder, like, how much of this stuff I can actually do. Yeah. And I, I sort of surprised myself because a lot of it was like, oh, I, I can actually do this, you yeah. know. But then, after, but then you're like, well, so so what then? <laughs> how? It, see, that's that's fascinating because because I think for me, I, I agree with you. Like like for me, you know, guys like Steve Vai and stuff. There's an element of like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And then after about twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Kind of like, all right. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like those 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 bands. Like for me, I've never gotten into the really tech metal bands like Meshuggah and those kinds of no, things. No. I can appreciate how good, how difficult it is to play that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's like if it doesn't feel good musically, yeah, I just think like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I, I mean, it's got. There's a lot of people that are are into that, and and I don't know. Maybe it, it moves them somehow. But obviously, yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like listening to Tetris. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fantastic way to put it. It is very, it's like math, math metal. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I know I've just, and and look, maybe it's just you and me. We just don't feel what they feel from it. Obviously, obviously they feel, they get something from it and that's awesome. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that's, you know, it is what it is. I guess that's too why like the blues, the blues is a very interesting genre of music because it's like, 
the same thing every song, but yet it still feels good. Yeah, yeah. And that, when I was younger, I didn't get that. I, I, I didn't understand. I thought the blues are so boring. Yeah. You know, everyone would carry on about Stevie Ray Vaughan or all these blues players. I thought, well, it, it's there's just not doing that much. Yeah. Now I think I tr- I see the genius in that <laughs> that that they're able to just. It's true, technically, they're not doing that much in terms of, you know, there's not that many notes involved and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, man, they are able to seriously turn up the heat, you yeah. know, with what they do. And, I like, I love Gary Moore. Like, yes. I love oh, yeah, Gary Moore. And he's he's kind of melded those two worlds as well. Like, he can rip, like, almost like a metal player. Yeah. But he has the, the tone and the, and the sensibility of a blues player. What was the, what was the big band that Gary Moore was in? Oh well, he was in a few. I mean, he was in Thin Lizzy for in the in the late seventies, and then he he went solo pretty much. Oh yeah, and then he again sort of. Because I'm trying to think of when I got into Gary Moore. Oh well, the, he he really got big with that song. Um, still got the blues. Yes, yeah, still that's got the blues. right. That's that, right. That was in like yeah. Um, it, but he yes. was a solo artist then. You know. Yes. Yes. But wow. he he is amazing. That guy. Man. Yeah. He's so good and totally no frills. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just, just feels good, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, but that's the funny thing about, like, you know, blues especially. It's like it, I've had sex before. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's still it's all good <laughs> stuff. And, you know, it's still good. You know, so it doesn't matter how you wrap it. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's still good, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's an interesting an interesting thing to find that, to find once you've – You've done your you've done your homework. You've done your workouts. You've got your speed yeah. and all that stuff. So now you're just like, I need to. It needs to feel good. Or yeah, I'm not I, and I reckon there's stuff that I probably. And, and another weird thing that's happened to me over time is I've noticed like, like live the guitar is getting lower and lower physically, which is a weird thing oh, for, yeah. for a guitar player. Like you know when I earlier on it was higher up because it would give you more facility. Yeah, you know you can do more. Yeah. It, it's like you know when you when you're practicing guitar at home, you're sitting down yep. and, and you've got, you know, you've got a hundred percent sort of access to everything and you can, you know, and then when you, you play live, it's a bit trickier, you know, you got the guitar sort of that's on your chest, then sort of on your, down by the belly button and then even kind of like lower. Yeah. And, and I, you've got to walk that fine line of yeah. trying to look cool, but be able to play. Oh man. And <laughs> like, you know, you just, you cannot have a high guitar. It's, no. it's unacceptable. Well, the funny, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, if the, the the amount of the height of the guitar oh. is equally proportionate to the amount of distortion you're using, like if there's if it's clean, okay, fine. If it's completely clean, you're yeah. a jazz guy. You you almost must have your guitar high. Yeah, yeah. But if you're rocking, it must yeah. get lower. It's got to go lower. It's got to yeah. go low. Yeah. yeah. Although there's some like real like super tech awesome guitar players that have their guitar really high, but it's like, well, you're a fucking nerd. You can do it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're killing it, man. It's weird. I I look at the way yeah like different players tom morello has a his guitar's really high real high man and that's i don't know maybe he's sort of going for a bit of a i don't know like a nerd rock sort yeah. of a, a vibe he's I, never really abide a, a, no oh totally by the rules, yeah yeah he? no no to- and, and like, i'm not having a go man seriously like fuck man yeah how good is the stuff that he has been a part of in his Absolutely. life you know so but i mean that, that's just a, a, a it's a great example it's, it's just an observation it's a perfect example of an exemption from the rule like yeah. he shouldn't one of the hardest rocking bands guitarists yeah. you know rage and, yeah. and and audio slave and he yeah. has his guitar up around his armpits yeah and then you've got um on the flip side 
uh, Nuno Bettencourt, you know, from Extreme, yes. yep. who's very technical. Yeah. And his guitar's really low. It's almost, uh, it, it's the same thing with Flea playing bass yeah, that yeah, low. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you can do, mm. that, like, technique-wise, trying to do those techniques that Nuno and Flea do on their guitars. Yeah. With it that low, it's almost like playing slap bass with, uh, it's just beyond me. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. Er- everyone's different. They've come up, they've come up with some sort of a way, but for me, I've got it at a, it's probably, it's, it's, definitely at a length where I have to sacrifice some of my technical capacity, you know, but I'm, but I'm totally happy to do that because I, when it's lower, it tends to be, I don't know, it's, you you play rhythm a bit better because because it's lower, you sort of, you end up sort of attacking the guitar, just that fraction behind the beat. So it's not that kind of like that rushing, nerdy, jumpy kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not rushed. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's always kind of chopping and changing a bit for me, but that's, that's where I'm at with it at the moment. And I, I, I like it that way, you yeah. know, for yeah. now anyway. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks, um, it looks rad. You know, it's always cool to have, <laughs> it's gotta a, look good. have a low guitar. Like, like, yeah, there's, there's the punk, the pop punk guys, like the Blink-182 guys. They that's would have so it low. super low. Yeah. Yeah. That's too low. But there's, um, you into Doug Aldrich? Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a. He's, he's another like, guy who can do it, and he his is his is low. He's real low. He's he, the, the, that's his right hand. He has a way, a sort of a picking thing with his with his right hand. Yeah, it's the same positioning as um, say like um, Zach Wild is like that too. Yes, Zach Zach, and, and again they have Les Pauls, and they sort of the way they position it on the body. It's it's you know the neck is kind of pretty vertical. It's sticking up. Yeah, and the way their right hand sort of hits the strings they again it's 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 hard without being able to sort of see this but that's it suits his playing yeah he's able to play that stuff with the guitar low yes well i think he's he he's probably a pretty lanky guy so he's got quite long limbs too yeah so he's he's um he isn't he like the the ultimate like classic guitar hero with his yeah. long blonde hair yeah, he and, his, and his like and his open vest and the six pack and the the les paul <laughs> yeah. and these yeah. oh man like the leather flares leather flares oh, fuck man so good <laughs> he's amazing so good i love seeing that stuff and for so me I. like it's it, seriously like uh, the visual is so important to me as well especially if you're playing in white snake <laughs> dude <laughs> Yeah, man, yeah. that's that was. I remember when I, I I got that DVD, the White Snake one. I think it was in like oh five. Oh yeah, out. Evil or Divine. Oh no, so that's di- uh, it's uh, live in the still of the night. That's the one. How yeah. good is that? Oh, it's killer, it's just, mate. It's that just... is so good. I did yeah. um I did a couple of um. You, know, you remember Marco Mendoza was on yeah. that one? Yeah. He 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 would come to Frankie's a bit when he was playing with the Dead Daisies. Oh, cool. And um, he got up and he did uh, Cold Sweat with us, and he did uh, cr- Crying in the Rain. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah. So we had to we we nice. did those. And, yeah. He oh. Yeah, that was great. But yeah, that that um, that DVD. Oh man, and that yeah. was when um, that was when David Coverdale had pretty much kind of like just just revamped White Snake. Yeah, and it was huge. Oh. White Snake was so beefy. Yeah, it was. Um, I think I reckon Coverdale kind of taught me how to sing a lot. You know, yeah, when yeah. I he was one of the ones with those adding that that hard rock vocal, but with uh, with some bluesy runs yeah, in there. Yeah, like yeah. like that's yeah. a he's cool, man. He's he's so a, you know, good. Yeah, and man, they're still going. They're just kicking ass now. Yes. Work their ass off. They do. Look at these guys. I mean, they just, mate, they just fucking work. And they're in like he's got to be seventy. Uh, he'd be probably in his like his late sixties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. I, his face is looking more and more like a wallet <laughs> every every time I see him, but he still wails. Man, he's so good. He's so so good. Yeah. yeah. And the work, man. You got to think like, fuck. You know, like they 
just work their ass off. They do. You know? They're just endless, endless touring. They love it. Well, I mean, who knows what, what their touring schedule's like, but it's they're always somewhere. We don't realise, you know, living in Australia, that those bands over there, they, you know, man, they've got a, such a massive market. Like, they can play they can play all the time. Yeah. There's that many countries that know them, you know, that they were exposed to and – they can play, mate. They could play every night of the week if they wanted to. You know, it's a fascinating. You're totally right because it's a fascinating thing when you know we've both been in bands and you and you. It's hard yeah. to keep a band together, an oh. original band. It's a it's a dynamic that is, it's like a sexless relationship yeah. with with you know people guys you get so close with, mm. and it's tough. It's hard yeah. work, and so yet. Hard. And you think about like, you know, you get two, maybe three albums in, like Whitesnake and bands like that, they've done friggin' 15 albums. Yeah, but they were sort of part of that whole world, that that old world record company world where, you know, they could just, they could keep recording albums, put out the old way through a record company where it would, where people, you know, would buy it yeah, and all that sort point. of stuff. Yeah, And it and would be promoted. It would be, be promoted. Out, yeah. And people would know about it'd be, it. It would be yeah. promoted. And before you know it, you know, over the course of all those years and, you know, MTV and all that stuff, They've got so many songs that people know and love. Yeah. And, well, that's a massive part of, you know, why they keep doing it. People want to – people love hearing that stuff. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Stay at home or they can go out and do it, you know, make tons of money. And, yeah. I mean, I'd be doing it too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had this funny theory about about um, bands like like Whitesnake, for instance, yeah. because I love that – I love that musical brand. Yeah. Um, and I and I've and I've always wondered, you know, what would be so cool if a band? Because, for instance, so so when you when you supported Guns and Roses, yeah. was that the one that just Axel was the only original member? No, of? no, no. That was the that was the one in two thousand and um, uh, seventeen. No, it was the, that oh, was the, the, that whole, was the, the, the whole, proper thing. Yeah, the like reunion stuff slash. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that like like you know the one where Axel was the only was the singer and everyone else was new, people still turned out for that. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like, imagine if like White Snake, if Coverdale did a thing right where he goes, okay, he's the only original member anyway, pretty much. Yeah, yeah that's right. I yeah. think maybe the drummer is it Tommy anyway. Tommy Aldrich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well Coverdale is White Snake. There's just yes. there's just been there's been heaps of different sort of incarnations of that band. Yes. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's Coverdale. But what if like Coverdale came out and made a statement that's like it's his son or it's it's someone that he's found yeah. that sings in a manner that he sings and writes songs in a manner that White Snake writes yeah. and the band keeps going but he retires but it's still White Snake. Yeah, but and that, it's like yeah, that's right. Well, that, well, that rumor has been going around with Kiss. Really, that, that's what I've been hearing. That would be that. That's what that would be rad. That that's well. That's what I keep hearing. That that's what they're gonna do. If it, like if if Gene and Paul and Ace and those guys that gave it their blessing, mm, yeah, yeah, I think that that would be a very cool thing. Yeah, I, I reckon. I mean, of course, there's going to be people that'll be up in arms and sure. keyboard warriors will be going ballistic and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But yeah, what? But then what happens? Does it just stop? I mean, these, yeah, these guys, you know, that, yeah, because that's the op- that's the alternative. Either the band, a band that you love, is is no longer happening, yeah, yeah. or they have a go with different members that yeah. are still maintaining that same premise yeah. to make more music. Like it happens with companies. It happens with corporations. Yeah. Why yeah. can't it happen with art? I think it yeah. would be a fascinating experiment to see. And I, maybe, look, maybe it wouldn't work. But I, I reckon that it probably will happen yeah. because, because there'll be a market for it. Yeah. People still people want to hear those songs and they want to hear them live. Yeah. Especially yeah. with a brand like – a band and brand like Kiss. You know? Yeah. It's such a fun show. Yeah. That I think that that's probably the perfect – 
the perfect example. Well, for that, that. well, that, and that is is a, a totally a show as well. I mean, that that's almost as much a show as it is about the songs. You yeah. Know? The, yes. The, the visual and the oral. You know. Yeah, yeah. They've got to find someone with a a, a tongue as impressive as Jean's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, reckon, I reckon that's going to happen, man. Yeah, yeah. Man, Kiss is a funny band, aren't they? I remember yeah. like um, I didn't realise that there were two singers, that, that, that Gene and Paul would, yeah. would trade off with vocals. Yeah. So I'd try and sing along to some of the songs and I was like, how the fuck are they doing this, man? <laughs> like I can do rock and roll all night, no yeah. problem. But then, you yeah. know, any, any song that Paul's singing, I'm like, this is insane. Oh. I can't get anywhere near this. Oh, man. The, well, the biggest band, look at the, the biggest bands in the world are, are, are the ones that shared vocal duties. Like... Look at the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, look at Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac have, you know, like they've got, you know, multiple women and men yeah. and the, the, the whole bit. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I wonder if it takes the – if it, it must take the – obviously take the heat off things when you're touring. The yeah. Eagles is a great example too, like Don Henley getting up oh, and busting some out. And then Tim, Timothy on the bass yeah. sings a couple of those yes. ballads. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah. I can't tell you why and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, What no. a great song, by the way. Oh, mate. It's a killer song. So good. Yeah. <laughs> It's just ah, we've just so nerded dead. out for the last hour, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what else did I want to talk to you about? I'm like, oh, so you spent a bit of time in the states. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever live there? No, I never lived there. Right. Um, you were smart. Got, got <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, I, I would have to be. Man, there'd have to be a pretty serious kind of a carrot dangled there for yeah. me to. Yeah. Well, you to got live. kids too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I, I would do it if, man, if I had a gig, if, if some massive band offered me a gig to go play there and everything sort of added up, then I, I, I mean, I'd never say never to anything really. Sure. You know, sure. Yeah. I've, I've been there and I've, I've played there and I've sort of done that kind of circuit and I mean, how did you find it? I mean, man, look, so I, I moved there, right? Yeah. So I kind of, you know, sold all my stuff and packed up and moved yeah. to LA and then when I'd been there for about a year and a half – I, I got that gig in New Zealand with that band, Shock yeah. and Alley, and moved yeah. to New Zealand for a year. Uh, and then we – but I, I said to the boys, you know, look, I, we got to go to the States. Like, yeah. like New Zealand compared to Los Angeles, it's a pretty different market. So let's go to the States. And they agreed. Um, and then it didn't end up working out with the band. But so I, I just know – I was there for almost 10 years, maybe a bit more. And I just noticed that that town is a very weird town. Oh, yeah. like, like living there oh, my God. socially yeah. – it's odd. It's desperate. No desperate. One, nobody grew up there. Yeah, that's so right. So everyone's full of shit. Totally full of shit. Yeah. So people and you can get away with it. Yeah. Like like if if for instance I start even in this podcast if I'm telling you something that's not true around it we live in a, in the similar area eventually mm. someone's going to go that's bullshit. Mm, Fuzzy's yeah. talking shit. Yeah. Whereas over there no one knows you. Yeah. And people are coming going all the time and everyone's yeah. hustling to try oh, and get something. So hustle. there's yeah it's a weird it's a weird painful. thing. Yeah. And look it's exciting. Yeah. But I just it just really wore me down by yeah. after after you know ten years of it and and not being able to rely on people you know <laughs> having having things opportunities like like musical opportunities or acting opportunities come up and me being like great let's let's I'll get your details cool let's talk and then you follow up and you just don't hear from people yeah because it's just kind of con- everyone's constantly playing the field with everything yeah. Um, yeah. That, so what? Yeah. But but that was living there. Yeah. And I've always thought that you know visiting would be far more enjoyable. Yeah. So yeah, how long have you spent there? And and you've been there playing gigs, right? Yeah. You've had something to to do while you were there. I was lucky. I was lucky that I I had gigs lined up for me when I was there. We did um, uh, I did a run of shows in 
Australia with Gilby Clark, who was the yeah he he played with Guns N' Roses. That's right, yeah. So he did that rock star show too, didn't he? He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had to anyway. We did all these shows in in Australia with him, and we you know we hit it off. You know, he's a mm. man. He was a great guy, and I said at the end of it, I I said, um, oh yeah, man, I'm I'm thinking of you know going to going to LA next year and just sussing it all out and all that sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, cool. I'll I'll hook some stuff up for you. And so I was really lucky that I went there. And, and he ha- actually did? He actually did. Well, so because that's not- unheard of. That, people but, say that shit all the time. Well, <laughs> I, I, I had legitimately kind of put in, you know, a lot of work Yes. Um, to make these gigs that I did with him, you know, really good. Yes. You know, and, and and he's not from, he lives in LA, but he's not from there. Yes. He's from Ohio. He's It's it's, it's different, you know. And, um, and yeah, man, he, he, t- he totally followed through and he set up these gigs for me and did all these jams there and met a lot of people who are just totally pounding the, the circuit there who yeah. do good gigs. Yeah. But again, man, you know, they're hustling. I remember my first gig there uh, was at the Viper Room and had a couple of songs that I was doing and, and you know, I walked up in there and had to chuck my gear in this little back room and there's all these musos there kind of like fumbling around going over their stuff making sure they're ready to get on and because it's a a real strategic kind of it it's a jam quote unquote but it's very prepped it's organized you know and so i get in there and and there's this chick there going out like playing sax next to me and she's going over some stuff and I was going to be playing with her that night. I'd never met her. I didn't know who she was, you know, but, and she's just there in the, in like, in the dunnies, like going over some sax lines. Then we play. And then after I realized, you know, she's the sax player for Rod Stewart, you know? Oh, Jesus. So, I mean, when they don't have those big gigs, they're out there yeah. fucking hustling it so yeah. hard, yeah. doing jams, you know, not at for, the Viper. Like, for yeah. fucking free. Yeah. yeah. And then the night after that, you know, I did, and then, then I did some gigs like the, the whiskey where they've got this ultimate jam, ultimate jam night there, and then this place called Lucky Strike, yep. which is like a, a once Bowling a month place. Yeah, and yeah, they got a lot of like man, all the guys that live there, all the big dogs, you know, Nuno, Richie Cotson, all of them. They, they all do those shows. Yeah, <clears throat> so I got a, a bit of an insight into that. But man, if you're not, if if you don't actually have a gig, then I keep thinking, man, fuck, man, what do these guys do? How, how do they make money? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I I wonder that same thing. One of the things that I found fascinating when I first got to LA was I was like when I I remember thinking mm, it's going to be really hard to get a gig here doing anything because yeah. the quality of musicians is going to be really high. Yeah, yeah. But it turned out that wasn't the case. Yep. It turned out that it was still just as hard to get a gig as I thought it would be, probably harder, mm. but not because the quality was really good, because the quality is really bad. Yeah, Because okay. there are so many people that go there and they look great. Yeah, they yeah, look yeah, amazing. Yeah. They look yeah. so rock and roll. Yeah, you know? yeah. But when it comes to delivering the product, yep. Yep. more often than not, it was just junk. They were all, you know, they yeah. all they were all look and, and, and they couldn't follow through. Oh man, it's it's style over substance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, it was, yeah. and that was so common. There was yeah, so yeah. so many times when I saw that, and the problem became getting noticed amongst mm. all the shit. Like, why yeah, yeah, should yeah. someone take a chance yeah. on you yeah, when yeah. there's all these other people that want you to take a chance on them yeah. and they're rubbish? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So it was, and I'm not, I'm, you know, it it, it was just. It was just a very interesting world when I realised that, that there were all these people that had moved there to make it mm. without having done 
much of the work. I think they just wanted to, people just want to make it, but just in any way. Like it's not yes. like they actually, not like they have this specific thing to offer. Yes. It's just like people, make people there just want to be famous. Yeah, man. And and that whole culture is, you know, you walk around and there's fucking paparazzi and stuff and and they'll all be like, you know, hoarding outside some restaurant. I'll walk past. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, oh, Kelly Osborne's in in there. She's been in there for three hours. Yeah, yeah. she's eating, and it's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, she's having a meal. Yeah, don't it, you understand? And and so and so they they that whole that whole culture, you know. Yeah, and and people think, oh, that's cool. Like to me, that's so uncool. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah it's a very it's a very weird town. Yeah, it's a very weird town. And and, and yeah, for for me and, and and Laura, my wife, we got to the point where we. We kind of just became hermits, you know. Yeah. We would just stay in the apartment all the time because we couldn't deal with the with the bullshit. I wonder whether you could actually make legitimate friends over there. Honestly, man, we've got a few people that that we really we really love, yeah. but it's not many. Yeah, um, and that was after a long time of living there. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of the people, a lot of people moved. Like we moved, we left. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not like people go there or grew up there and stay there. Like people that you would make great friends with, they leave because it's it's fucking hard work. People yeah. are like this is, it's yeah, yeah it, that that exact thing. It's socially desperate. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd I'd love to go back there if yeah under. The, with the circumstances being different, me, you know, having some some sort of mad offer, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, to the the idea of kind of just like going there to sort of like prod around and network and all that sort of thing. It's oh, mate, I just don't have time for that. Yeah, dude. Well, the <laughs> other thing is that there's no, there's actually there's a scene like like you know talking about rock music. There's a scene there, yeah, but it's not. It's not a genuine scene of fans. Mm, like yeah. it's it's people who are they're fans of like they want to see Nuno Betancourt and they want to yeah. see Richie Cotton. That's mm. who they're there for. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're not like I want to see a really cool up and coming band. Like if you're in, I don't know, Seattle or yeah. something, that's probably a better place to be for music than LA is because, or even Sydney because yeah. you can. There are people who work during the week yeah. and then they want to listen to some music. They want to drink a few beers. Yeah, yeah. They want to eat some pizza and watch some music. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas in LA, everyone people aren't doing that. No one yeah. has a real job in LA, yeah. so they're all kind of like they've all got this agenda there. Yeah. So it's like it's not an organic no. rock scene, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it's it's just weird. It it's is. just oh, mate, it's it just not a, yeah. It is seriously weird. Yeah. So were you happy when you came back? <laughs> really, really was, man. Yeah, it was. Um, where did you live? Like, where, where were you staying there? We lived in first when I was there on my own. I lived like right in the middle of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, amongst the amongst the shit, and yeah. then well, like like downtown or no, in like East Hollywood. Okay. Like on 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 um, Santa Monica and Vine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Much, yeah, right yeah, yeah, where yeah. We lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was. You know all kinds of crazy antics going on yeah, out, yeah. outside, and yeah, totally. um, lived a, a, a above a club, a nightclub, yeah. um, and that would go off one of the few all hours clubs in LA because the you know everyone closes at like one a.m. in LA. Yeah. Not this place. Yeah, no. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap rent, <laughs> but uh, not much sleep. Yeah. Uh, and then you know moved around to a few places. Eventually, we lived in. We co- we kept getting further and further out of Hollywood. We realised that n- you don't need to live in Hollywood one yeah. because it's filthy. Yeah. And yeah. two because it's frightening. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we moved to North Hollywood, yeah. uh, which we thought was going to be better, and it was, but not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much. And then we came here for for a few weeks 
for a few months actually, just to kind of, you know, come back here to hang out in the northern beaches and yeah. we're like, what are we doing? This is this is a beautiful place to live. So were you where were you before? You were in the the beaches before. So I was here. Yeah. yeah in okay. in this place. Yeah. And then um yeah, then went to the States. Yeah. Um and and then yeah, and you know, did a few th- cool things over there. Yeah. But the day to day quality of life just Yeah. Yeah, just stopped being stopped being fun. Yeah, and I and uh, and you know after coming here, we were like, yeah, this is this is a really enjoyable place. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, people are people are are kind to each other. Yeah, they're normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's mate, mate. It's good to have you back, mate. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, oh man. Um. Oh, look, look, dude. Should we wrap it up? How long have we been? <laughs> I think we've been talking shit for uh, yeah over an hour. Well, yeah, we've been we've been we've been going. This can be episode one. We yeah, can, we can do many more. Like I'll get in the car and drive home and think, fuck, I had so many more things to say. Yes. Oh, know? that's right. I was actually going to say that the thing that I think is so fantastic about Frankie's is that it is everything that a couple of places in LA are trying to be, yeah. but it's actually doing it better. Yeah, like like there's a place called, and I'm sure you've been there. There's a place called the Rainbow, of course, which is um yeah iconic rock and roll. Venue yeah, yeah, with, yeah totally. Know, but there's not the music scene's not very good there. Well, like it's, well, no, it's just it's just got a well, yeah. They don't have live. No, they have like yeah. acoustic stuff upstairs. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have great pizza. They've got all this memorabilia on the walls. Yeah. Lemmy used to be Lemmy was glued to one of the seats at the bar outside before he passed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah. see him, and he just sit there. Man, I was there one time, and he was playing this pokey machine. Mm. And he would just get endless, like, I don't know what he was drinking. They're all just Jack and Cokes. Yeah. I think. And, he, yeah. and he, I was there for like two, three hours in time. He didn't yeah. get up for take a piss. Once. Yeah, yeah. He was just that, going to yeah, town. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's, it's always been that way with yeah. him there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that place is really cool. Yeah. The pizza's cool. The memorabilia's cool. Mm. And then there's the Viper Room, which yep. is like the, the venue. But yep. that the Viper's just a dirty rock venue. Yeah, it is. The yeah, sound's yeah. not great. No, no, no. The no. stage is small. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's it's right. Very famous. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's kind of like Hollywood as a whole. The, yeah. the idea of it is much better than the reality. Yeah, like yeah. it's fun, but yeah, it's a, yeah. just a dirty rock and That's roll. That's right. Venue. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the bands that play there are pretty cool. But then when I came to Frankie's, I was like, wow, this is actually like, yeah. it's actually doing it. And you guys, you guys are really topping it off, man. Like, yeah. like to actually have oh, all the all that music played every week. Yeah, yeah. And you got you guys play the shit out of it, man. It's um, I can see why people really dig it. Yeah, it's, it's it. Oh, I tell you, a bit of a uh, an eye opener. This this weird sort of moment for for me was. Um, you know, talking about, you know, all these venues overseas and how they compare to Frankie's and all that sort of stuff. Skid Row did a, a gig here last year and at Frankie's, right? Cool. So you got this fucking massive band yeah. doing this little shitty club club gig. And when in the middle of one of the songs, Rachel Boland, the, the bass player, who sort of is, I mean, he was like the, the, the guts of Skid Row. He got on the mic. And sort of went into this whole piece about Frankie's. He was talking about the venue. He, go, he was saying, you know, you guys, you, you don't realize how famous this this venue is, you know, across the world and all this stuff. He was, wow. he, he was giving a full endorsement to the venue. Wow. Yeah. And I remember standing there thinking, fucking hell, like, he's just set it for us. Wow. Yeah. yeah it was so amazing. it's really, it's really traveling. It truly is like a world famous venue now. Yeah, right. You guys actually are the world famous house <laughs> band. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, man. So much and so much just insane stuff happens there. Like like Phil Anselma from Pantera did yeah. a gig there, you know, a few months back. Wow. And um 
you know, his his um his sound guy, one of his his security guys or whatever, said like in the middle of that gig. So they they went into all these Pantera songs, which apparently like Phil hasn't done them for ten years or something, because it's some weird sacred territory. Sure, you know, and that was yeah, that yeah. was a, an icky kind of thing. Yeah, for and, all those guys. Anyway, he just decides he goes, "No, fuck it, we're doing it." They did all these Pantera songs, and man, like. You just look at it. You think, man, am I, I can't believe this is happening. You yeah. know. And then you know, Todd Rundgren did a, did a gig that he his seventieth. He did a surprise gig there. You know, yep. he chose to do it. He didn't wow. even get paid. Oh wow! I just yeah. wanted to come and just be in front of his. And Nick Oliveri was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and all these guys, man. That every time we've sort of, you know, sort of reached out to these people that are that are going to be in town. You know, you think you're going to get met with all this kind of blowback, like, oh, you know, I don't know, you got to pay me all this money, or yeah. I need, you know, you better bring me ten thousand security and put this aside and that. And you, it's so surprising how much you don't see that. Yes, you know, the, the, these people, you know, musicians and stuff, they just want to play music. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's this sort of there's this this myth going around, like. You know, when you achieve certain things, they're they're above that, and mate, they they actually love. They get a kick out of doing a little club gig. Yeah, it brings them back to their roots. Yeah, yeah, you know? it really. Do. And it, th- it sounds awesome in there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's I I I kind of in a snobby way. I just don't go. To, I kind of refuse to go to stadium shows anymore purely yeah. because you can't see anything and it yeah, sounds like shit. That's right. Totally. Whereas like totally. A, a club and maybe a theater at the biggest, yeah. but they they sound awesome. You yeah, know, yeah. you can see what's going on. It's um, and, Mate, and that's a testament to the venue. Yeah, that, that yeah. These bands want to come and play there because yep. they've got it right. You know, it's it it's right. actually if you're a fan of rock music, it's the right place yeah. for it. You know, you got the pinball machines, yeah. you got the pizza, you got the great beers. You yeah, got they the, don't skip. They don't skip any details though. Like like yeah. I, I I see it. They take it so seriously. You know, yeah. like the sound guy there is so good. You know, we got great gear there. Yeah. If anything goes wrong with the gear, you know, they they're on it right away. Yeah, you know, they yeah. they really take pride in. In all in all of those aspects of the venue, yeah, you know, yeah, you got to, you have to, man. Otherwise, it's, it's fucked. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's well, unfortunately, that's that's kind of the case with a few of those places oh, in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they ride on the legacy rather than oh, actually totally. delivering yeah. what the legacy came from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Could you imagine what it was like being on the Sunset Strip in like '85? Oh, oh my god! When when like that would have just been a crazy oh, a crazy time when 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 heavy metal and cock rock was yeah. the was the coolest music, yeah. Whereas definitely. now, you know, we've kind of got a, got a, I don't know about you, but I've got a, I've kind of got to be very, <laughs> a little bit conservative with <laughs> with how rock I look <laughs> when I'm going around. You know, I've got to, I, uh, yeah. I try and I try and curb it sometimes oh, because man. it's not going to be well received everywhere. It would have been so exciting, and oh, I always dude. read all those fucking cliched rock biographies. Yeah, so do I, man. <laughs> Yeah, I read the dirt. I've watched that document. That document. What was I saying? The movie of it. And, yeah. Um, I read Glenn Hughes's one. Did you read oh, that? Oh no, it was interesting. He had um, Glenn Hughes. For anyone who doesn't know, was in. Um, he was in Deep Purple with yeah, Coverdale, of course, and, yeah. and um, he had a really, really bad cocaine problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. And he was pretty honest with that. I read Dave Mustaine's one. Did yeah, you read I read that, that too. Yeah. yeah, I've read a few. Man, I read Stephen Pearcey's one as well. Like from oh Rat. wow, and even oh, all of those ones. I, I just I can't get enough of those. Of just hearing about what it was like, it just seemed like such. A, a, it so was so far removed from what it was like. Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like such a, a, a different time yeah, when yeah, that totally. music was huge. Like yeah. it's, yeah, man. No, I get it. 
We need a, uh, a hot tub time machine. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that would – I've often thought like, man, I wonder if I was born in the wrong decade, you know. I always think that. Yeah. I always yeah. think that. Yeah. Man, how good would it have been, you know, just to be born, you know, sort of – Yeah, born 20 years earlier. 20 years earlier. Yeah. 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 Be, experience all that stuff firsthand, <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. Well, the problem is I, w- I would have had to – I would have I would have been like a Nazi because I'm going bald. So I've sh- you can't shave your head in the eighties. No, <laughs> you're good to go, mate. Your hair's not going anywhere. Oh, There's no Rob Halford was the only yeah. one. But he didn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah, wearing this, wearing this leather. And, uh, yeah. There was one other thing. Oh, have you got any tattoos? No, no, me either. I don't. I don't. Your have brother's any. covered in them, but yeah, he he is, man. I, I just can't so think. T- of, yeah, tell me why you haven't got any. I just can't think of any one thing. That I would want to commit to my body for the rest for the of rest of my life. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's a real sort of a simple thing. It's like yeah, fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I, I, I don't know the, the and it's this is gonna sound really conservative and so sort of dorky. Very northern I, beaches of you. Well, I, yeah. I just I I can't believe that so many people are just so sort of nonchalant about about the whole idea of. Tattoos. I'm totally with you, man. I'm totally with you. And, and, that, and in, in, in the rock world, you and I are like <laughs> very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very rare to see someone who doesn't have any tattoos. Yeah. But I mean now, I mean, tattoos, I mean, they're just made they're they're everywhere. And and yeah. I kind of they're this they're actually not cool to me. <laughs> to me, like I think of tattoos and I just think of dopey NRL players yes. and stuff like that. You, you remember, know? I remember when they when you know they never used to be on sports players. Yeah. And now and I remember when they st- I started seeing like footy players with a big sleeve of tats Sleeves. and stuff. I was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. This is just everywhere. Yeah. But it, for, I think people <clears throat> go get them like they go to a you know a trip to bloody general pants to buy a new outfit. <laughs> that's yes. that's how blase they are about it. Yeah. You know? So I yeah. kind of like being different. Yes. I like being no no fuck it's my body man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. Also, no. I'm a pussy. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I can't commit to that. Yeah. Like I yeah. like I know. Apparently, they were coming out with some ink that that lasts for like a year. Oh, okay. Like there's a six month version, a three month version, and a twelve month version. Yeah, yeah. I'd consider that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then, if it, if your body just absorbs it after that amount, I was like, oh yeah. I can't. I didn't that. like that anyway. How have they not come up with something that can get rid of them properly? You know. Yeah, a friend of mine um, was getting – he got one removed and he said it was just brutal. Yeah. And you have to have like eight sessions. It's a laser thing yeah, that yeah. burns you and man, it gets my, worse man, every time. My, my brother did it too. He had to get a, some removed and, you know, he has a, a pretty big sort of – like he's, you know, he's not the kind of guy to whinge about stuff. Right. You know, he's got a, a – High pain tolerance. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. He said it was just – like he he passed out in one of the sessions. Oh wow! It was a full, a full and he had to do a few of them. And then was he, that the one on his on his nuts? Oh so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one on his Jap's eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He um, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. ended up having to get sort of endone to get through it and all oh, this stuff. Of and yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, you know, if we didn't need any more convincing, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I right. I'm going to stay tattoo free <laughs> for right. the time being. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Yeah. All right, mate. Let's um it's time for another beer. Eh? Let's wrap it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks very much, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Right, see you, mate. All right. Good on you, Jolly. What a dude. Yeah, so so Frankie's world famous house band. People dig it. Go check him out. I've been a few times and even got up and had a sing with them, and it's super fun. They really know what they're doing up there. It's um 
it's nice to hear some of those songs that we won't really get the chance to hear live anymore because a lot of those bands aren't really around anymore. It's nice to hear them done and done really, really well. I dare say as good as if not better than some of the original bands playing them live. They're, they're just – the calibre of their musicianship is, is top quality. So it's really worth seeing it. I'm pleased to know that Joel's a fellow Brian Adams fan. I guess I feel like for some reason because my sister was into Brian Adams that I probably shouldn't have been into Brian Adams, but I am. And now that Joel's into Brian Adams, I've got nothing to worry about. I also kind of confessed on the podcast that I'm into the Spice Girls, so I don't know why I'm worried about Brian Adams. Charlie's played some pretty cool shows, some really cool shows. I knew he'd played with some good artists, but it was, you know, just chatting with him and learning about his adventures. It's, he's had a great career and he's got a great career ahead of him too. Uh, he's talking about his practicing schedule. He's, he's clearly put the time in to become Shreddy Kruger that he is now. Uh, and he, yeah, very dedicated guitarist. I, I love his term for that really technical metal, listening to Tetris. That's brilliant. I will be using that in the future, Joel. So I might, I might actually be stealing that phrase, mate. Well done. And also he's a fellow Whitesnake fan. I mean, of course he's a Whitesnake fan, but I feel like Whitesnake's one of those bands that everybody likes, but nobody really wants to admit that they like, which is a shame because, I mean, they could be the best band of all time. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the truth. Maybe that is a scientific fact. I don't know. Jolly and I were talking about being born in the wrong era. Whitesnake knew that that era was so good that they even named an album 1987. You can't get away with that these days. No one's naming their albums 2019. They knew. So on that note, I'm going to go and listen to the entire 1987 album from start to finish and pretend that I'm on the Sunset Strip and it's going to be great. Thanks for tuning in. Love you. See you next time. Have a good one.